welcome in to the Tuesday edition of the show that covers all things Southern. I'm John Rawl. Hope your day is going fantastic. Get ready for three hours of conversation about the southeast of the United States. We got you covered in terms of what's going on news-wise across the southeast, what's going on in terms of the sports of the region, some political news coming here in hour number one, a whole lot of sports talk. In fact, today on the All Show, we will give you the latest on some developments in the NBA. We'll tell you what's going on in the world of golf as golfers now teeing off at the Olympics. A couple of southern connections there. But also, we've got a lot of college football in our sports headlines. Big news on Monday coming out of the Big 12, or should I say SEC. We'll let you know the latest on the developments of Texas and Oklahoma. Also, this hour of the Y'all Show, as we get you going here with your host, John Rawl, the general of all things Southern, we will discuss the Arkansas Razorbacks. We're on a tour across the Southeast, and the Hoggies are today's spotlight school. And we'll hear from the head coach of Arkansas, Sam Pittman, who will be entering his second season coaching the Razorbacks there in Northwest Arkansas. We'll get some comments from him. We'll learn more about Arkansas's 2021 schedule. It's like a blast from the Southwest Conference as the Hogs get their season underway. We'll discuss all of that. We'll let you know about the Arkansas Razorback tradition. Also more about the University of Arkansas as an institution. Famous alumni. All that coming today as the Razorbacks are today's spotlight school on this The Y'all Show. Now also... Because we got behind a little bit last week, and we apologize profusely for that on our Monday show, we also, in hour number two, are going to have to play catch-up with another school scheduled originally for last week, and that's West Virginia. So in hour number two, in addition to having our 44-city tour stop off today in Fayetteville, Arkansas, we're also going to be stopping by Morgantown, West Virginia. That's where you find West Virginia University And we're going to learn a lot more about what Coach Neil Brown's got in store for the Nears in 2021. This is a program that should be back and ready for a very good Big 12 run. And what it could be very soon, their final year or years in this conference as the landscape of conference realignment is happening before our very eyes. And West Virginia in a revamped Big 12 will not be a fit, it looks like. So they're trying to find them a new home in addition to Oklahoma and Texas. We'll discuss a little bit of that, but mostly it's about the 2021 edition of Coach Brown's Mountaineer football team. We'll be hearing from a couple of his very talented playmakers. Letty Brown is a very good running back. He was actually the Big 12's leading rusher in 2021, or rather 2020. We're going to be hearing uh, Mr. Brown as well as defensive lineman Dante Steele's They were recently interviewed on the show, number one ranked show, with R.J. Young. And we're going to play a portion of their interview as they were there at the Big 12 Media Days a few days back in Arlington, Texas. And you'll hear from these two gridiron goliaths as part of our coverage of West Virginia in hour number two. Now, also in hour number two, in addition to hearing from Sam Pittman here this hour, the Arkansas coach, When we get to that spot in our second hour, you're going to be hearing from a couple of SEC and ACC coaches as, again, we're trying to catch up with all the goings-on 
Last week, in terms of media days, you had the SEC getting together in Hoover, Alabama. Well, the ACC got together in Charlotte, North Carolina last week. And so today, we're going to let you hear from Auburn's new coach, Brian Harson. He was at the microphone. He was talking about his adjustment and his family adjustment as they have moved in from Boise, Idaho to Auburn, Alabama. And what's life on the plains like? We'll discuss that and let Brian Harson discuss it when we get to that point of our show in hour number two. And then to the ACC we go also in hour two. Mac Brown is getting ready to enter, I think it's his third or fourth season back at the helm of the North Carolina Tar Heels. And UNC could be that surprise team that finds itself playing for an ACC title this year. And Mac Brown's got a lot of going on for his baby blue boys. And one of the great players beside a quarterback that's getting a lot of attention is his transfer running back as Ty Chandler has come to Chapel Hill from Knoxville and we'll be discussing this senior grad transfer in from the Tennessee Vols, now a North Carolina Tar Heel. Mac Brown will discuss that as we have audio from the very, very respected and veteran coach of UNC, Mac Brown. That's coming up in hour number two. Before we get out of here today, in hour number three, we'll continue our discussion on the Arkansas Razorbacks. We'll give you more sports happenings across the landscape. And then Melissa Rhodes will be filing a Southern accent on Southern Arts and Entertainment. All that coming up in our third hour of this, The Y'all Show. If you want to get involved with Y'all, it's very easy. All you got to do is pick up that dial tone and get that thing going and call us or text us. The number is the same, whichever route you want to go. If you want to go old school with the rotary phone or you want to text us with one of those iPhone 20s, you're welcome to do it however you want to reach us. It's 803-816-1170. 803-816-1170. And with that simple combination of numbers, you can reach us here and share your thoughts on the Southeast. And we are looking forward to what you have to say. I want to also here on the Y'all Show remind you that in addition to airing on fantastic radio stations across the region, we're also available in podcast form, and we have just debuted. We are now on Spotify. Just go into Spotify, search the word y'all, Y apostrophe A-L-L, and I bet you, especially if you choose the podcast option, you're going to see us right there. Bright red updated logos should, should stand out from the crowd. And just follow us, subscribe to us right there in Spotify. You can find us also on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn app, Apple Podcast app, and we're also on Stitcher. All kinds of ways. Plus, we're also at y'all.com. Did you realize that's the South's homepage? And before this show is up, I'm going to be telling you about some of the fun stuff being posted at the South's homepage that you need to go check out. All of that is coming up on Talk with a Southern Accent. Again, great to have you. Let's dive into the headlines of the South here on this Tuesday, and we had some breaking news in terms of the coronavirus front on Monday as the Department of Veteran Affairs announced that it would be the first major federal agency to require health care workers to get COVID-19 vaccines as this Delta variant is spreading across the nation, some communities reporting troubling increases in hospitalizations among unvaccinated people, and now the VA making this move, and it comes on Monday 
when nearly 60 leading medical and healthcare organizations issued a call for healthcare facilities to require their workers to get vaccinated. There are currently no federal laws standing in the way of employers requiring vaccinations, but like mask mandates, the issue has been politicized in a society that's divided on matters of public health. A doctor who is a part of the American Medical Association, Dr. Susan Bailey, she put out a statement saying, with more than 300 million doses administered in the United States and nearly 4 billion doses administered worldwide, we know the vaccines are safe and highly effective at preventing severe illness and death from COVID-19. Again, she is the immediate past president of the AMA, Dr. Susan Bailey. Bailey goes on in a statement to say, increased vaccinations among healthcare personnel will not only reduce the spread of COVID-19, but also reduce the harmful toll this virus is taking within the healthcare workforce and those we are striving to serve. And that's something that, frankly, I have not seen, at least in recent months, or perhaps when this thing got started back in the springtime of 2020, the exact number of deaths from healthcare workers. We know we've lost some real heroes, some of those people on the front lines early on when this virus started out that lost their lives trying to save lives. I would love to know that number. I don't have it in front of me. I don't know if anybody's got it. If you happen to know that number, perhaps you're in the healthcare industry, please share that with us. Just text it to us, 803-816-1170, and we'll be sure to pass along that number and and give a very, very fitting tribute to those healthcare workers who have lost their lives in an effort to save lives with this COVID-19 outbreak. And there'll be more lives, unfortunately, lost. But we have to always be reminded here in this society how many people are putting their neck on the line every single hour of every day, especially if they're in the healthcare industry, our law enforcement that have to go and take care of people, often without masks. People working in the food industry have to serve and be around people. I mean, we've got to continue on as a society, but it doesn't mean that it's all going to be perfect and it's going to go well. And our healthcare workers, who frankly, in many cases, weren't signing up for a vaccine going around or, or a pandemic, I should say, when they went to medical school or nursing school or whatever the profession they're involved in, and they put their lives on the risk every day that they put on their uniform and go into work. So we thank you, and I know a lot of you in the healthcare business are listeners of this show, and we appreciate you what you do, and we wish you all the best, and hopefully we'll all get out of this thing as fast as possible. With the virus surge, the Biden administration has announced it's keeping travel restrictions in place, at least for now. As on Monday, the administration served notice that it will keep these current COVID-19 restrictions on international travel, and they're keeping them in place due to concerns about the surging infection rate because of the Delta variant. Now, it was this this latest sign that the White House is having to recalibrate what it's been thinking around the coronavirus pandemic as the more infectious variant surges across the country and a substantial chunk of the population is resisting vaccination. And that is primarily right here in the South, where some of our states are hovering in the 30s or 40s of vaccination rates. And as of now, we're seeing our United States executive leadership there at the White House 
essentially telling the rest of the world that they're going to keep restrictions on international travel in place. And that has a direct impact on so many things. For example, likely this time of year, we're seeing thousands and perhaps hundreds of thousands of European travelers come to this country, especially to go to Disney World. And with these restrictions in place, that really prohibits in some ways a lot of European travel, for example, or people coming in no matter what country. If you're not a U.S. citizen, it's not all that easy to get into this country right now. And these are issues that, frankly, some world leaders are scratching their head about. In fact, German Chancellor Angela Merkel was just at the White House this week. I'm not sure she was legally there because, of course, she's the leader of a European superpower in Germany. And now we know that we're, as a country, cracking down on travel because of this Delta variant going around. So more COVID confusion, more COVID mess. A lot of you listening, a lot of you know people, a lot of you unfortunately have known people who have died from COVID-19. One woman in Kentucky is coming out with her story. She has been battling symptoms from having COVID-19. She's been having symptoms since she got this thing 16 months ago. Lisa Jensen lives in the Bluegrass State, and she's very thankful to be alive as she's out talking to Lexington, Kentucky television outlet, Lex18.com. But yes, this woman who was very fit, she was a mother, or is a mother, but she's been an active runner, rock climber, and a very successful yoga instructor. She got sick back in March of 2020, and she has survived the virus, but she's been having really debilitating symptoms that have lingered, brain fog, fatigue. She gets rashes and body aches. Her heart beats too fast when she sits up or stands. And now this woman who, again, prior to being infected with COVID-19, she was once an active runner, rock climber, and a yoga instructor. This single mom says she really can't work anymore. She's applying for disability. In fact, we just saw something come out this week that they're looking to make people who are having this symptom of COVID fatigue, if you will, become eligible to be on disability. Now, Jensen has received both doses of the Pfizer vaccine, and she understands how people got the vaccine, are trying to move on with their life, but here in her case, she's still got all of these problems after getting this 16 months ago. And she's nowhere close to being 100%. I think her age, the article doesn't necessarily spell it out, but I think she's about 29 years old. This single mother of one who, I'm sorry, she's had three kids. She's got three young boys, according to the article. And despite all these issues with her health, she's nowhere close to being 100%. And frankly, there are a lot of people like this woman in Kentucky, Lisa Jensen, who, by the way, is 39 years old. It is listed here, so she was kind enough to include her age in the story, but very fit heading into when she got this virus and all these lingering symptoms. And, again, the story coming out this week, 
that President Joe Biden has announced his administration will classify what's called long-haul COVID-19 as a disability, and that will give people like Ms. Jensen access to rights and resources from federal agencies. More to come on that, but yeah. Unfortunately, that's a common story and a common problem going on across the whole world right now with luckily survivors, but survivors who have this long haul COVID effect going on. We wish all y'all the best. Now to a story out of South Florida, a flotilla has returned after going down to Cuba from South Florida to show support for the Cuban protesters looking to make that country at least a little bit more democratic. Cubans took to the streets earlier in the month of June, or rather July, to protest food shortages, high prices, and other grievances against the Cuban dictatorship. And this past weekend, boaters left Miami to go down, to sail down to the outskirts of the Cuban territorial waters. And there they were motoring off Cuba's coast, setting off fireworks and flares and a show of support for the Cuban people and democracy. I'm actually proud. I have hinted here on the show that we need to have American citizens, especially those who have ancestors or they themselves came from Cuba during the whole Cuban boat crisis and the early days of Castro taking over that country. And these kinsmen from South Florida who have that connection to that island nation needed to do something to show those on the mainland of Cuba how much they support their effort to become more democratic. And that's exactly what a few of these people, one of the organizers, Jose Partillas, told the Associated Press, we also want to draw the attention to the United States government that they have to do something. We feel identified with what is happening in the protest in Cuba. We could be the ones who were there. In fact, you might have seen a lot of Cuban supporters of democracy, at least, have gone and protested outside the White House in Washington, D.C. in recent days. So that is another sign of putting some of the pressure on the Biden administration to get movement going to make this country open up and perhaps, if nothing else, open up the daggum Internet because that dictatorship has shut down the Internet, according to reports. And it's a very unfortunate scene there of people wanting more freedom being denied. Another story coming your way out of South Florida. We now have the final person recovered, it looks like, from the Surfside Florida collapse of that awful condo that came down several weeks ago. And with this victim now being identified, the death toll there is at 98. A 54-year-old woman named Estelle Hadaya was the last victim identified, ending what her relatives described as a torturous four-week wait. And now this 54-year-old's body being passed on to her family as she's been identified now after this condo collapse more than a month ago. Rescuers officially concluded the painstaking and emotionally heavy task of removing layers of dangerous debris, pulling out dozens of bodies in the process. And here in this case, this beautiful 54-year-old woman was the final victim to be recovered. There's still, what, 50 other souls lost, to my knowledge, that they don't have any body parts or anything going on, just a 
awful, awful thing that has happened in Surfside, Florida. As rescuers went through more than 14,000 tons of broken concrete and rebar before finally declaring that recovery and rescue effort both mission complete. And rescue teams left the Champlain Towers collapse site as of Friday of last week. And the wreckage was completely cleared from the foundation. I'm sure that will end up becoming a memorial there in South Florida. But our thoughts to all of the victims. And again, the last victim identified. And that makes it again the death toll at 98 officially from the Champlain Towers collapse. One story that kind of crosses both the news and entertainment and political world. And the gambling world, frankly, we've got a new name of the Superdome in New Orleans as the New Orleans Saints and Caesars Entertainment have officially announced Superdome naming rights. Get ready for Monday night football from New Orleans and the Caesars Superdome. That is the new name of what was recently known as Mercedes-Benz Superdome. And before that, the Louisiana Superdome. And now it's got Caesars Superdome as this venue will host all New Orleans Saints home football games and Super Bowl LIX, whatever that is. Is that 59? I guess it is. That's going to be played February of 2025. So you've got a few more years before Caesars Superdome hosts that. And I, frankly, am a little bit happy they've got Mercedes-Benz off that because Atlanta, of course, a few years ago built Mercedes-Benz Stadium right there at the site of, well, it was actually just across the street from the Georgia Dome. And so you had two NFL arch rivals playing in domed stadiums that both had the name Mercedes-Benz attached to it. In Atlanta's case, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And with the Saints, it was Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Now, I guess that agreement with Mercedes-Benz came to an end in New Orleans and the Saints coming out with a brand new name for that great big dome in the Big Easy. It's Caesars Superdome. Go in there and look at all the colorful seats that don't have souls sitting in there. I remember, I guess it was 1984, I actually took a tour of that thing during the World's Fair that was being hosted in New Orleans at that time. And that's when they made the big presentation. If you took a tour of the, I guess at that time, Louisiana Superdome, why they intentionally painted or made all the seats in that stadium different colors because when you pan with a TV camera, you can't really tell if people are sitting there or not. So they had a hard time back in the 80s filling up the Louisiana Superdome with Saints fans. I don't think they've got that quite of a problem these days. There's a lot of fans out there who are in the Houdat Nation. And guess what? When you show up for a Saints game with a quarterback like Jameis Winston now leading your program, you can cheer them on from the friendly confines of the Caesars Superdome. Speaking of sports, we have more sports talk coming up after the break. Stay tuned. We're going to catch you up on some sports goings-on across the South. Primarily, what the world's going on with Texas and Oklahoma? Are they really going to be SEC members? 
We'll give you the latest out of Norman and Austin. All that plus some NBA news as well. This is The Y'all Show. We'll be right back. My doctor told me my blood pressure is borderline. I figured I could worry about it or do something about it. So I took control with Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula. It works safely and naturally to help maintain healthy blood pressure with a custom blend of garlic, vitamins, and minerals. And it's odor-free. I'm taking charge with Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The term natural reference is only the garlic in the product. Use as directed. We are back on the show all about the South. Thank you for tuning us in. And we're now going to talk a little sports here and get into some sports speculation because that's exactly where we find ourselves in college football as the University of Oklahoma and the University of Texas on Monday officially notified the Big 12, the conference they've been in for some 20-plus years, Notified that they will not be renewing their grants of media rights after the expiration that they have set up for 2025. This was a joint statement by both of these Red River rivalry, Red River shootout brethren schools. These are enemies coming together to announce that they are seceding, it looks like, from the Big 12. And here's the speculation. Are they really going to go to the Southeastern Conference? They have to first announce they want a divorce from the Big 12, and that's kind of where we're going with this. So it looks like OU and UT, the one in Austin, that is, have kind of put everybody on notice. Hey, we're the flagship universities of this conference, and we want to take our toys and go elsewhere. And that's what they did Monday. Now, the interesting thing, as we said, this is a media agreement primarily with ESPN that runs through 2025. The possibility remains that these two schools will pay a 75 to $80 million penalty for leaving early. That's a lot of money, but that's doable if you're a fan of the Oklahoma Sooners or the Texas Longhorns. That's something that, frankly, if they wanted to, They could open up phone lines. I'll help them out, and I'll get a commission for my effort. And I bet you, without too much effort, they could raise $75 to $80 million of new money in no time to pay that penalty and get out of the Big 12 probably in the next year. I think you're going to see, if they indeed get an invitation from the Southeastern Conference, you could potentially see Oklahoma and Texas as SEC members as early as the 2022 football season. 
they can do that because they're willing to pay the big money for the fine of leaving early out of their contract. Who's going to stop them? And the SEC could help them out. I mean, this is a big financial boost for the Southeastern Conference and every single one of its members, even Texas A&M. This is a big deal. This is why you've seen athletic director at Texas A&M, Ross Bjork, go from shock when this thing got leaked the other day at SEC Media Days to all essentially saying, if Texas wants to be in my conference, the SEC, that and, and Ross Bjork's thinking, not his exact statement, will work it out. And I think it's a good thing. There's nothing in the state of Texas like the Texas-Texas A&M rivalry. And that's a rivalry that has not existed for a decade since A&M divorced the Big 12 and went to the SEC. And it looks like now Texas is getting that chance to divorce this conference, the Big 12, and find a new suitor. And A&M might just be the only SEC school that does not vote for their membership if that option comes up. And I'm okay with that. Perhaps A&M could always say face to their loyal fans and say, well, we didn't vote them in, all the while knowing that every other of the 13 schools in the SEC will likely vote Texas and Oklahoma into the conference membership. I think they've got to have 11 of 14 schools give them the thumbs up, give them the gig'em sign to let Texas come in as a member of the SEC and Oklahoma too. Oddly enough, you might remember back when A&M was admitted to the SEC, they were looking for another school to join the Aggies. They actually flew into Norman, Oklahoma and tried to get OU back then to switch conferences. And OU decided to be loyal to Texas and stayed in the Big 12. Therefore, they went knocking the door down in Como, Columbia, and the Missouri Tigers were asked and gladly joined the SEC as its 14th institution. And all these years later, as Mike Slive, the former commissioner, once told me, there was a paradigm shift. And guess what? You had the SEC expand from 12 to 14, and we're just moments away, if it hasn't already happened, from the SEC becoming a 16-member conference. And then I'm seeing some of these pundits on ESPN and other outlets saying the SEC needs to join up with the ACC. I don't know how well that would work. That's kind of how this whole athletic thing got started some 120 years ago. I think the acronym was the SIAC, which was a forerunner of the Southern Conference, of which many of the ACC and SEC teams were in some hundred years ago. But before there was a Southern Conference, there was this thing called, I think, the SIAC that had about 35, 40 schools. Some of those schools no longer play at the FBS level. Some of them don't even play Division One sports at all, like Sewanee. Some of those schools still are out there fighting the good fight, but they're doing it at the FCS level, the VMIs and the Citadels of the world that were in this SIAC But many of those same names, remember, if you look back at that roster of 1915, for example, you had North Carolina 
in the same organization athletically as Alabama. And Tennessee would play Virginia or perhaps VPI if they were in it. Pretty fun stuff. In fact, that's why a lot of these schools often will play, and you'll hear the announcer say, well, this is the first time such and such school has played such and such school since way back in 1913. And that was probably because they were in that SIAC together. But there were tons and tons of schools in there. Okay, a lot of history. Love to talk history with you. But right now, history being made as on Monday, again, Texas and Oklahoma officially let the Big 12 know that they were wanting to get out of the get out of the party and look for other Big 12 schools now to get proactive. West Virginia, if they're not banging on the ACC's door, they should be. The ACC should gladly welcome in the West Virginia Mountaineers as a new conference member. I don't think the ACC is going to be able to reel in Notre Dame. Notre Dame, if they were smart, would stop being so arrogant and go where they best fit. And they best fit in the Big Ten. For goodness sakes, they're right there in the heart of the Big Ten. Now, we do know that the rest of the Big 12 is not happy about that. What's going on with OU and UT? Oklahoma State University President Case Shrum has blasted the Sooners in a statement as the president of Oklahoma State saying, it is difficult to understand how an Oklahoma institution of higher education would follow the University of Texas to the detriment of the state of Oklahoma. Pretty strong words coming from, again, the president of Oklahoma State University. The pokes aren't too pleased. But again, they may not be, if this all works out like we expected, they may not be in the same conference going forward, but they still should have Bedlam every year, and it should be maybe that last game, just like it usually is. And it would be a fantastic game, no matter if they're in the same conference or not. But each of these schools, no matter if you're in the power conference like an SEC or you're a suitor, you got to be looking out for yourself, and nobody else is going to be looking out for you. Isn't that kind of life, kind of like how life is anyway? <laughs> So best of luck to all these schools. We're going to have more sports coverage coming up as we go on through the show today. Maybe I'll have time later on to tell you a little bit more about my thoughts personally, if if you care about what's going on. But we've seen a paradigm shift back in 2012, 2013, and we're in the middle of maybe an even bigger paradigm shift in college athletics with the big announcement coming Monday from Texas and Oklahoma. When the Y'all Show comes back, we will be talking about the Arkansas Razorbacks. We're going to be hearing from their second-year head coach, Sam Pittman, as the Razorbacks are today's stop on our 44-city tour. And you'll learn all about the 2021 edition of Razorback Football when the Y'all Show comes back.
The South and college football have enjoyed a love affair for more than 150 years, and the Y'all Show is getting y'all ready for the biggest year college football's ever had. We're on a 44-city tour of Dixie's great college football teams. John Rawl is getting you ready when the toe meets leather Labor Day weekend. So get your chin strap on and get ready for today's Southern College Football Tour stop. Here's Johnny. And today's tour stop, you just kind of have to put that plastic thing on your head and raise those hands high and wiggle those fingers back and forth because today we're in Fayetteville as the Arkansas Razorbacks are today's college football tour stop on our 44 college town odyssey of the y'all show woo pig suey The Arkansas Razorbacks will begin their season at home against the Rice Owls. Then they'll follow that up on September 11th with another team from their days of being a Southwest Conference member, the Texas Longhorns, a big-time rival of Arkansas. They're in the Ozarks for the first time in a long time, and that's going to be a fantastic matchup. Arkansas then has a non-conference game in Fayetteville against Georgia Southern on September 18th. They begin their SEC play in a neutral site location as Jerry World, an Arkansas Razorback alum, Jerry Jones, his Dallas Cowboys stadium will host the Razorbacks and Texas A&M on September 25th. The Hogs will be at Georgia October 2nd in Oxford against Mississippi October 9th. And then it's not until October 16th that Arkansas hosts an SEC game as Brian Harson's Auburn Tigers make their way to Fayetteville. A neutral site game of sorts when Arkansas plays for the very first time the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff, the HBCU school, and Arkansas getting together in Little Rock at War Memorial Stadium this year on October 23rd. The Razorbacks will be home against Mississippi State November 6th. LSU and Arkansas battle for the boot. That game set for November 13th. The Alabama Crimson Tide welcome in Arkansas November 20th. And then that rivalry that the SEC's created with Missouri, that takes place November 26th, that Friday after Thanksgiving. And that is the schedule set up for Arkansas in 2021. One news item coming in from the 2021 edition of Razorback Football. Redshirt sophomore defensive back Jalen Catalan has picked up another preseason honor as he's been named to the Jim Thorpe Award preseason watch list. A very, very good Arkansas Razorback football player. In 2020, he logged 99 tackles, 2.0 tackles for loss, had three interceptions, and a very, very good season. He was a person who grabbed the FWAA Freshman All-American honor and an all-SEC first-team honor as well in 2020. And now this Razorback sophomore defensive back, Jalen Catalan, one to be on the lookout for. He's named to the Jim Thorpe Award preseason watch list. Now the Razorback football team and Sam Pittman with its his guidance as the coach, they try to get to his program back to prominence. It's been quite some time since Arkansas football, and it's been – 
at the top of all of college football. Now, Razorback fans claim a national title back in 77. I believe that was the Lou Holtz era of Razorback football. They do have one undisputed national championship, and that is 1964. This is a program that came aboard the SEC with the start of the 1992 season, and they, of course, throughout history have shared two stadiums primarily, War Memorial and Little Rock. That's got about 76,000 in attendance there at games there. Rather, I'm sorry, that stadium has 54,000. The stadium in Fayetteville, which is now the Donald W. Reynolds Razorback Stadium, it has a capacity that's much higher, 76,000, when the Hogs stay there in northwest Arkansas for their home games. But currently, they do have that one game usually a year that they play at War Memorial just outside of the state capitol in Little Rock. And this year, UAPB is that game. So the Raves backs with Pittman. Now, a lot of credit goes to what he did. This is a guy that a lot of us who follow SEC didn't know much about him. He had been an offensive line coach at Georgia prior to being hired as Arkansas's head coach. And he comes in in 2020. And although his record wasn't quite the number of wins many expected, Arkansas officially was 3-7. and seven. That number should have been a lot higher. They were absolutely robbed in a game at Auburn. That's a game that should have been a W. Some questionable officiating at best in that one as they lost that heartbreaker by 2, 30-28. They also had a couple of other games that could have been victories for them. They played very good when they took on Texas A&M. They also had a tough, tough game that they lost to LSU. They had a just barn burner at Mizzou that they lost by two. And Sam Pittman, overall, I thought this team, which had really struggled in the previous regime, looked fairly good, in my opinion, in 2020. And I think a lot is on the line, and this is a program that should be much more competitive in the forthcoming season and look for the Razorbacks to increase that number and get to at least 500, if not better, when the 2021 season begins again. This year, it's the Rice Owls and the Razorbacks for their season opener. The Razorback head football coach, Sam Pittman, was recently at SEC Media Days. Let's go in and hear a little bit of his conversation talking about coaching those hogs. Last year, I believe the only way we could get better is to play the game. And even if it wasn't, you know, we, we were about out of all defensive alignment, several, several kids. And at one point, we, we go, we're going to play. We're ready to play. We're ready to play. And then our running back, uh, starting run, Traylon, Traylon, Traylon Smith, we, we got to where he might need to be quarantined. And at that point, I'm going, we can't play. I wanted to play for us. I also wanted to play for LSU because they hadn't played in two weeks. If we didn't play them, they'd, they wouldn't have played for 28 days. And I don't – them kids are working too. You know, uh, we obviously wanted to beat them, but, we, you know, we, I didn't want them setting out another week. So Hunter Yurchek and I were both in, in, a, in the staff room. And when Traylon was supposed, supposedly quarantined, I said, that's it. We can't, you know, we can't function. And then I called, or our medical people called Traylon, and he said, hey, I haven't been around whomever it was that had the COVID. He said, I haven't even been around him. 
And uh, so we, he went ahead and played. And it was a really good football game and so disappointed we weren't able to win. But uh, that's kind of how it went down. There was a very, very fine line in there whether we were able to play that game or not. But we also knew that LSU fans had traveled, uh, Arkansas fans had traveled, and uh, we didn't want to disappoint them, either one of those fan bases either. And that was Sam Pittman again talking about some of the frustration and real headache that all football coaches and programs went through in 2020. And, boy, we're excited that hopefully it won't be quite that chaotic in 2021. The Arkansas Razorbacks will have more on the tradition and famous alumni of the University of Arkansas in our number three of today's Y'all Show. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we're going to close out this hour with a quick look at some political news across the region. That's ahead on Talk with a Southern Accent. going to wrap up this first hour of the y'all show with a little political news an article up at politico.com it's titled we're f u blank blank dems fear turnout catastrophe catastrophe from gop voting laws and if you go read this article by maya king david siders and daniel Lippman, it talks about the new voter id requirement in the state of georgia for mail-in ballots and that could affect the more than 270,000 Georgians lacking identification, that could play a huge role in elections going forward. Very informative article, very, very alarming article for some. I encourage you to go again to Politico.com and read all about this article posted right now about Georgia's voter ID and how it could dramatically affect elections going forward. Joe Manchin is the U.S. Senator from the Mountain State of West Virginia. And he is currently weighing another term as his influence is certainly under review in Washington, D.C. Now, when he ran back in 2018, he said that was his last campaign for Senate. Now, in terms of the 2024 election that he could potentially run in, he says, you never know. Politico also has that story up. Burgess Everett wrote that one. Go check that one out if you have the time. Marjorie Green, the congresswoman from Georgia, calls the exclusion of unvaccinated people segregation. The Georgia Republican has drawn backlash many, many times for comparing vaccination requirements and mask mandates to the Holocaust. And now the Georgia congressman said a private business's decision not to admit unvaccinated patrons was tantamount to segregation. The Republican congressman She tweeted Sunday night a screenshot of a recent Instagram post from an Atlanta restaurant that included a door sign that reads, No Vax, No Service. And that has got Representative Green all upset. To the state of Virginia, they have a governor's race going on. Terry McCullough is facing off against Republican newcomer Youngkin. And the latest info coming in from The Hill has the once Governor McCullough holding a two-point lead over the challenger, Youngkin, in the Georgia, or rather Virginia governor's race, Glenn Youngkin v. Terry McAuliffe. As McAuliffe had a 46.8% support in this poll, Youngkin 45%. A little surprising that Youngkin had that high of a number, frankly, in a very blue Virginia these days. 
That's a quick look at some of the political goings-on across the region here as we wrap up hour number one. Stay with us. We have more, y'all, more Talk About the South coming up. The number is 803-816-1170. That is how you can get in touch with y'all. We've got our staff standing by to monitor your text. If you have a question or some great recommendations, we're always looking for y'all's input. Again, it's 803-816-1170. I'm General John Rawl, CSA Certified Southern American. And it is wonderful to be back with you for hour two of this Tuesday Y'all Show. We're going to continue to give you a lot of sporting information here. And we'll have a lot more college football information to be very candid. As this hour, we're still playing catch-up with some of the Media Days events that happened last week. And so we're going to go to both Hoover, Alabama, and Charlotte, North Carolina in just a few minutes. As we'll be hearing from the new head coach of the Auburn Tigers, War Eagle, Brian Harson is the new man on the plains, and we have some audio coming from his time at the mic in Hoover, Alabama. Plus, we'll go to Charlotte and there in the Queen City, the flagship university of the state of North Carolina. They have a pretty good football coach now leading that flagship program in the Tar Heel State. It's Mr. Tar Heel himself, Mac Brown. He was speaking the other day in Charlotte about his Tar Heel team that's going to be on the up and up in 2021. And we'll get Coach Brown. We'll, we'll go to North Carolina and have him talk about his very, very talented running back, Ty Chandler. Now, Ty Chandler Ooh, if you're a Tennessee Vol fan, you might be scratching your head and say, boy, that name sounds familiar. Yeah, it does sound familiar for Big Orange fans. And we'll tell you why when we get to that portion of the Y'all Show. It's a little bit of a recap of SEC and ACC Media Days here on this Tuesday edition. Now, we have even more college football stuff coming your way this second hour. As we're still, again, playing a little catch-up, we kind of got silence for a couple of days last week when we weren't expecting it. So to make up for that silencing, we're trying to squeeze in one of our college football schools that we wanted to focus as we get ready for the start of college football. In about a month, we will be kicking off the regular season in just a few weeks. And today, we've already told you about Arkansas. We've got more to tell you about the Razorbacks in Hour 3. But here in Hour 2, we're playing catch-up with the West Virginia Mountaineers. And we'll be letting you hear from two of the great Nears players here in this hour. You're going to hear from running back Letty Brown, as well as defensive lineman Dante Stills. They were recently on the show, number one ranked show with R.J. Young. And we've got a clip from that. That was recorded at Big 12 Media Days. And you're going to hear, hear both of these guys from both sides of the ball talking about the 2021 edition of Neil Brown's West Virginia Mountaineers. That's coming up. We'll also let you know more about West Virginia's 2021 schedule. We'll discuss some of the heritage that West Virginia has on the gridiron. We'll let you know about one of their former coaches that's in the news this week, sadly in the news. We'll fill you in on that. And then we'll also let you know about some of the famous alumni of WVU and the traditions 
of the Mountaineers. All that squeezed into this second hour of today's y'all show. And before this hour comes to a conclusion, we're going to give you a quick update on y'all.com. Did you realize that y'all is the South's homepage? If you didn't, you do now. And we're going to give you a little bit of a sneak peek of what's going on. The entertainment and information and just absolute delicious website of the South, y'all.com. Delicious because we have so much good food stuff being posted. We just did an awesome interview that we've got up right now, y'all, and we'll be playing a portion of that interview very soon. It's a barbecue restaurant out of Seguin, Texas, that we had the very, very fortunate pleasure of interviewing the owner of that, the pit master as well, and we'll be sharing that with you here on the Y'all Show very soon. But right now, that interview is already posted at y'all.com, and we got more coming that's just really, really good stuff. So make sure you tune it in if you don't mind. The homepage of the South, y'all.com, four little characters. When you get there and sit by your keyboard, you just punch it, Y-A-L-L.com. All right, here is a story now to start off the Hour 2 Entertainment News. That's where we're going to go now across the South and across the nation giving you the latest on what's going on entertainment-wise before we switch over in the next segment to some college football talk. I actually had a conversation Friday night of this past weekend with someone who works at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And we were talking about whatever in the world it was that Kanye West had at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium last week. Did y'all see that thing that Kanye West, and I say thing because I don't know how else you would describe it, as Kanye hosted a sold-out listening party inside Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta on Thursday night of last week for his latest album called Donda, and that's supposed to be coming out next month. And my friend told me, and at the time, I didn't think much about what he said. Again, this is a guy, a very close, long-time friend of mine, who, I'll be honest with you, he works for the Atlanta Falcons. And he told me that Kanye West was in the locker room. And I didn't think anything too much at the time. And, and now I'm seeing this article come out that Kanye West is actually living in the locker room at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Now, this is a locker room not only for the Atlanta Falcons, but the Atlanta United. Arthur Blank owns both that NFL franchise and that Major League Soccer franchise that both play at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I just drove past it last Wednesday. If Kanye, if I'd have known you were in there sleeping inside the Chinese takeout box, that's kind of what it looks like from the outside, I would have swung on by there and perhaps given you a little, little food. If I knew you were going to be toughing it out there, living in the locker room at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. But sure enough, the the so-called artist, fashion mogul who was born in Atlanta and hosted this sold-out listening party. If you saw it last week, it looked like something out of Mars. As It looked like they were having this at a skating rink. The, 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 the turf or whatever there was essentially white. I just saw a brief report on it. But if you, if you know what I'm talking about, Kanye did not sing at this listening party. 
He didn't even speak that I'm aware of. He just kind of came out and I questioned whether it was really him. And my friend, again, who works for the Falcons said, oh, yeah, that was him because he's living in the locker room. And he is. He's living in the locker room at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in downtown Atlanta. Now, one of the media pundits in Atlanta said that Kanye would not leave the stadium after his Thursday night event and negotiated an agreement to stay at the facility for at least two weeks. On the Instagram page, Kanye's Donda, there's a video posted of Kanye dancing while listening to one of the new tracks on the album. Again, from right there at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium locker room area. I mean, this guy, is he not trespassing? Now, Kanye, let me let me give you a little advice, man-to-man here. I know you, I think, are going through a divorce right now. But, man, you can't be living in a locker room. That's That's not right. In fact... Who would want to live in a locker room, period? Those things are dirty. Even at a palace like Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Do you know what happens in locker rooms, Kanye? Yeah. And the blood and the sweat and the tears and the puke and everything else that goes on. I, I think I think we could get you a better place. And frankly, I think you got the money. Now, I I feel sorry for him because, like I said, I think he's going through a divorce but he also, he ought to be happy because he's leaving the Kardashian family, it looks like. And that's something that's probably a good thing. <laughs> and and more power to you, Kanye West. But yeah, this crazy story out this week that this guy, Kanye West, is living in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I, I don't know how this thing's going to play out, but what a freak show. Not Not only the guy, but the thing that happened last Thursday night where if you, I assume had to pay money to come in there and see that thing, his so-called listening party for the album Donda, you might've seen some kind of object, but I can't, I really question until my friend told me who works for the Falcons, I had to question whether that was even that guy. I mean, it almost seemed like something out of a movie where you have the mask singer, for example, out there. Like that, that's not Kanye. That is somebody playing or pretending to be Kanye. And my friend said it was. So I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fight you on that one. But what a crazy story here on a Tuesday to tell you about from the entertainment world. Here's another bizarre story from the entertainment world, but not quite as bizarre. Country music singer Gary Allen. Did you realize his home was once owned by Mister Hello, darling? Conway Twitty once owned the home that Gary Allen owns. This is the guy who grew up part of his life in California, former Army, member of the Army and veteran. He has released Ruthless, his first album in eight years, and the single is out called Temptation. But sure enough, Gary Allen says he's just finished renovating his current residence, which he said was was once owned by Harold Jenkins, a.k.a. Conway, as Alan said, that it's super cool that Conway owned it. He said it's vibey, several things that I left because they were like that when he had it. I left my patio like Conway had it. There's also a theater that has pictures of Conway's albums, 
And he says that his gym was Conway's beauty salon. And that's where he got his very first perm. Don't tell me Conway Twitty had a perm. Yeah, he did. Conway Twitty's ex-wife actually visited Gary Allen recently and gave him a walkthrough of the home and told him many stories about this residence in the Nashville area. Pretty cool story. There's even a hidden door in Gary Allen's closet. Of course, we lost Conway Twitty in Missouri when he was driving back to Nashville back in 1993. And it was around 1996 that Gary Allen debuted with his first debut song. His debut song was Her Man on the MCA, perhaps DECA record label. I'm not sure which one it was at the time. They're the same company. But pretty cool that Gary Allen's got new music out. And he's got that connection to Conway. I wonder if he'll cover one of Conway's songs. We love Conway Twitty here in the South. Hello, darling. A lot of country music fans love Miranda Lambert, and she's now revealing her favorite menu item at her own restaurant that's now open in Nashville. Her restaurant is called Casa Rosa, and it's located in the very touristy area of Lower Broadway in downtown Nashville. And now this Tex-Mex restaurant is drawing lots of fans and more. And in a recent interview... With CMT iHeartRadio talk show host Cody Allen, Lambert discussed the recently opened Nashville watering hole Casa Rosa and her must-try menu item that's on the menu there. And if we can not get into legal trouble, we'll tell you there what you can find. But she said the one thing that's closest to her are the gringo tacos. It's like a crunchy beef taco and it makes me really happy. That's what Miranda said about this item on the menu at Casa Rosa. Now, her people have gotten in touch with our people here at the Y'all Show. And we have a breakdown of what's on the menu at Casa Rosa, Miranda Lambert's Tex-Mex Cantina in Nashville. The website for this is CasaRosaNashville.com. Looks like she's going to maybe expand this beyond Nashville. Maybe she'll be coming to your town soon. Maybe she'll be at least spreading throughout Middle Tennessee. Look out Nolansville. You might be getting a Casa Rosa real soon. Look out Millersville on the north side of Nashville. (laughs) All good places, of course. Here are some of the items at Casa Rosa. They have fish tacos called the Casa Rosa fish taco. They've got Nashville hot chicken tacos. That ought to be good. Comes with a pickled red onion. Then Miranda's favorite is this gringo taco. It's got spicy ground beef, shredded lettuce, chipotle ranch, pepper jack, and pico de gallo. And it's served with a hard shell. Now this gringo taco, by the way, I don't know if it's just one giant one or comes in smaller sizes to give you the filling up option. So you leave there full. The gringo taco is going to set you back $15. Miranda, it better be good. They have other items besides tacos at Casa Rosa, including the Nashville hot chicken burrito, a Tex-Mex burger. That's got two sirloin patties on it, by the way. Miranda's hot chicken and waffles. Those are cornbread waffles and hot chicken bites plus 
a spicy pecan syrup and got a little corn garnish to go along with it. All these sound really, really yummy. Miranda, hold the door open for me, please. And this, I think, is right around the corner from John Rich's place on Lower Broadway, too. I don't know what this was before Miranda took it over, but she's done a great job. Looks like someone, and we'll go ahead and give Miranda the credit, has put a lot of effort. Casa Rosa is open from 11 a.m., and I love this, until close, whatever time that is. They do not accept reservations. They are a walk-up friendly venue with a host team that accommodates all guests in a timely manner. And I bet you they got one heck of a line right now as they're one of the hot places to go in Music City. They also have a complete bar with different types of beer on tap. They've got a cantina offering items like holy water and Miss Ohio and a drink called Hell on Wheels. I'll let you, or I'm sorry, woohoo, Hell on Hills. <laughs> yeah, that ought to be good. All at Casa Rosa in Nashville, Miranda Lambert's great little Tex-Mex and Cantina venue. Check it out if you're in the Music City in the near future. And that is a look at all kinds of good information to pass along here on the Y'all Show. From Kanye West to Miranda Lambert, all in one report. Boy, we, we're doing our best to keep y'all in touch. When the Y'all Show comes back after this break, stay tuned. We've got a quick audio take from a couple of coaches at their recent media days. Brian Harson is the new coach of the Auburn Tigers. We'll be hearing what he had to say about the War Eagle Plainsman. And then Mac Brown will go to the mic in Charlotte where the Tar Heels head coach talked about his very good running back that has become a part of his program, Ty Chandler. All that is ahead on Talk with a Southern Accent. Text and whatever. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. to all the Auburn fans and alumni listening in to y'all talk with a Southern accent. I'm John Rawl. We are back here to talk about Brian Harson, the new coach of Auburn, and what's yeah, going very... on with Auburn as they get ready for the start of the 2021 season. Coach Harson comes to the Plains after leading the Boise State Broncos for a number of years, and now this coach brings a style that many in East Alabama aren't really familiar with, but as long as it produces wins, they will be very, very understanding. Brian Harson was at SEC Media Days in Hoover, Alabama the previous week. Let's go in and hear what the coach said about moving to the south and coaching this Auburn Tiger football team. Here is Coach Brian Harson of the Auburn Tigers. Very committed to the game. Um, I love what I do. Uh, I love the people that I'm around. Um, and when I'm not at football, I'm with family. And when I'm with family, uh, we're having a good time. All right, we're gonna we're gonna get food. Uh, a lot of times, we're gonna we're gonna be together. Um, we're gonna be on the lake. That's one of the things that I really enjoy. I'm gonna get on the boat. I'm gonna be on the lake. Uh, I was a, 
a skier and then a wakeboarder and jumping the wake and catching an edge and slamming your eyeballs into the water. I had enough of that, so I ended up getting a boat you can surf behind and go 11 miles an hour and throw a rope in, and if you fall, you just melt into the water. And so that is, that is my thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find some smooth water at 9 o'clock in the morning, and my wife and whoever we can find, the flag is going to jump in the boat, and I'm going to get out there, and I'm going to surf, throw the rope in, and just be free for a while and, and play some good music and enjoy that. Um, other than that, you know, uh, I'm into cars, um, working on my dad and I. You know, we're putting together a 69 Mustang Mach 1, and I say we, but he's doing most of it right now. And, um, you know, that's something that he and I have, you know, have talked about for a long time. So, uh, I get a chance to kind of participate in that a little bit. You know, I know the motor, I know the transmission, I know the rear end and some of those things. And uh, when it's all said and done, it'll be a beast. And, you know, we're figuring out how to get this thing finalized and, and on its way to Auburn, Alabama. But uh, my main focus and always will be is my family. My wife, uh, she is unbelievable. And uh, I am so fortunate to have her and, and uh, in my life. And she really leads the family and, and the things that we do together. I mean, we just have fun. We, we have a good time. I love my kids. And, and like I said before, they love being in Auburn. And, and, you know, early on, I'm shocked because of where we came from. And I didn't know that. And that's the biggest concern as a father, you know, is your family going to thrive? And they are. So we're having a good time. We're enjoying it. Um, I probably eat a little too much of shrimp and grits right now. So I got to be careful on that. But uh, other than that, and we're happy to be in Auburn, and you know those are some of the things we do for fun. And that is the brand-new coach of Auburn as he was at Media Days, a little getting to know Brian Harson as he was at Boise State prior to arriving on the Plains. And I think Auburn fans are excited to see how different Auburn, at least offensively, with Bo Nix still behind center leading this offensive unit, what the difference will be with Bo Nix with – Harson and his style compared to what Gus Malzahn had going on on the Plains. And Auburn should be very optimistic and very, very excited about the future because this guy was a winner. And Boise State was a big-time winning program over college football history over the last 20 years or so. And Harson is just going to bring that winning attitude to Auburn and – I know he's not an Auburn guy. I know he's not an SEC guy. He he ain't even a Southern boy, for goodness sake. But if you just heard that clip there, it sounds like Coach Harson is doing all he can to fit into East Alabama. And there in Lee County, you ought to be excited about what this program has with his potential as a coach. And with Bo Nix already having so many seasons behind him now and a very good offensive line, coming back and maybe a good running game to go along with all that excitement. Good times appear to be ahead for Auburn now. Are they at Alabama's level yet? I don't think so. I don't think anybody's dare comparing Auburn to UA, the one in Tuscaloosa at this point. But you got to make steps. And one bold step that Auburn did was bringing in a proven winner. There's no doubt that this guy has been part of winning football in Idaho now can he be a proven winner in Alabama that's the question one guy that has been a proven winner has won a national championship has won so much in his life 
but also has had heartache, is Mac Brown. The veteran coach leads the North Carolina Tar Heels. This was a program he led before he took off for the bright lights of Austin, now back in Chapel Hill. And you can't help but give this guy all the credit for the turnaround North Carolina has seen in just the two years that he's coached this program. They've gone to bowl games. They've won. They have a fantastic quarterback in Sam Howell. Talking about Bo Nix, Sam Howell, also one of the best quarterbacks in the country, a guy that may just be wrapping up his career this year and heading on to the NFL. And so he's going to be trying to turn heads a big way. But he's not the only person with Mac Brown that is looking to turn heads this fall as North Carolina hopes to claim that Coastal Division crown and get back to the ACC Championship in Charlotte, likely to take on Clemson. But you got to have better offensive playmakers and you got to have experienced playmakers, and Mac Brown's doing just that. Now, at running back, Mac Brown's had to replenish his backfield as he's had a couple players move on to the next level. So he has brought in a grad transfer in Ty Chandler. Chandler was a Tennessee Vol, and now this Tennessee Vol gets a chance to be a North Carolina Tar Heel. And Coach Brown asked about this SEC transfer into this ACC up-and-coming program when Mac Brown was attending the ACC Media Days in Charlotte just the other day. Let's go in and hear from UNC Coach Mac Brown talking about transfer Ty Chandler. You lose Javante Williams and, and you lose Michael Carter. You lose a lot of your offense, and, and they were tough. They were smart. They could catch. They could block. But they, but they protected the ball, and that might be the most important thing they did over two years. I think we lost six fumbles in two years, and, and that kind of goes unnoticed unless you're fumbling. But it, it's really, really important. So with, with Ty Chandler, he was recruited by Tommy Thigpen, who was on our staff. He was coached by Robert Gillespie. So when he went into the portal, we knew how good he was. And he's 210 pounds now, I think. He, he's fit in with our team really, really well. He's having fun. He had a really good spring. Since he's had four years of, of being physical and uh, being hit by Tennessee and Alabama, and Georgia, I mean, uh, by Georgia and uh, Florida and Alabama and Auburn, uh, we didn't beat him up this spring. We haven't talked a lot about him. But we think he is kind of the guy that fits between Javante Williams and Michael Carter. He's the 210-pound back. He can run it up inside. He's got tremendous hands. He knows what to do, but he also has the speed, speed that when he gets it in space, he has a chance to score. So we got to find some other guys with him, but we think he has a chance to step up and be a special player for us. You mentioned wanting Ty for that opening game at Virginia Tech. What's sort of your, I don't know if level of concern is the right phrase, but there's a, a challenge there in starting the season on a Friday night in Blacksburg. How do you want to handle that and prepare your team for that? Luke, after 32 years as a head coach, I've looked at it both ways. You, would you like to have an easier team and it's kind of a scrimmage and you get to work through things and you don't have to show anything? Yes. But do your players get more excited in the summer off-season program if they're opening up uh, against a um, coastal rival that's really good and we went to six overtimes and got beat the last time we were there. So I, I really think it's, it's, it's great for us. We've gotten a tremendous amount of publicity. We've been kind of a media darling. Um, so let's keep our mouth shut now and go see if we're any good. 
uh, but we got to play because Virginia Tech's uh, it's an unbelievable place to play. It's it's a fun place to play. Um, they've got a really good football team, um, so it, it'll be a great challenge. So it'll be a fun way for us to start the season. Mac Brown, as he mentioned there, coaching for a few years now. Mac Brown will be 70 years old when his Tar Heels get their season underway against Virginia Tech in that opening game of the 2021 season. Again, those were two of our great Southern coaches that we've just heard from, Brian Harson at Auburn University and from the University of North Carolina, the Cookville, Tennessee native, Mac Brown, talking about his 2021 edition of North Carolina Tar Heel football. We've got more football talk coming up next. Our spotlight's on the West Virginia Mountaineers as Morganton, West Virginia, is our latest stop on our 44-city tour across the southeast. It's all nears, and that's up next on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. My doctor told me my blood pressure is borderline. I figured I could worry about it or do something about it. So I took control with Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula. It works safely and naturally to help maintain healthy blood pressure with a custom blend of garlic, vitamins, and minerals. And it's odor-free. I'm taking charge with Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The term natural reference is only the garlic in the product. Use as directed. The South and college football have enjoyed a love affair for more than 150 years. And the Y'all Show is getting y'all ready for the biggest year college football's ever had. We're on a 44-city tour of Dixie's great college football teams. John Rawl is getting you ready when the toe meets leather Labor Day weekend. So get your chin strap on and get ready for today's Southern College Football Tour stop. Here's Johnny. And we are continuing our little visit across the southeast. Today it's two for one. We've already told you a little bit on today's Y'all Show about the Arkansas Razorbacks, and we're continuing our trend of great stops along the way. And here in our super-duper added value bonus of our Tuesday Y'all Show, Morganton, West Virginia. It's the home of West Virginia University, and the Mountaineers are today's latest stop on our tour across the southeast. West Virginia, by God, they begin their 2021 season against Long Island University. Just what you've always wanted to see, LIU and WVU. That's the, at least that's the first game inside the home field. Actually, they start their season on the road this year as they'll be against a team they don't play all that often. Maryland, that's a game in College Park on September 4th. Then LIU comes into Morganton to Milan Pusker Stadium for a game on September 11th. The Nears and Virginia Tech, that ought to be an exciting game. That's set for a home game for West Virginia on September 18th. And then they begin Big 12 play on the road at Oklahoma Memorial Stadium against the Oklahoma Sooners September 25th. 
They've got Texas Tech coming in for their Big 12 home opener October 2nd. It's the Baylor Bears October 9th, that game in Waco. TCU on the road in Fort Worth on October 23rd. Then Iowa State comes in, one of the darlings of college football in 2020, as Coach Campbell's Cyclones spin their way to Morgantown on October 30th. Oklahoma State checks into Morgantown on November the 6th. K-State and WVU get together in Manhattan on November 13th. The Texas Longhorns come into West Virginia for a game on Saturday, November 20th. And then the Nears wind up their season, at least regular season, on the road in Kansas as the Jayhawks and Mountaineers wrap up the regular season on November 27th this year. West Virginia football has been a team that's kind of been nomads. They've had a lot of homes through the years. Starting back in the 50s, they were members of the Southern Conference. Then they moved on to the Big East Conference. One news of note of their time back when they were Southern Conference members, one of their coaches at that time, a guy named Bobby Bowden, and it was just announced by the Bowden family, this former West Virginia head football coach, that he's now battling pancreatic cancer and his life is expected to come to an end soon. So our thoughts to this great West Virginia coach, Florida State legend, of course, and a former Howard Bulldog that would be now Samford University in Homewood, Alabama, as Coach Bowden coached there or coached West Virginia back from 1970 to 75 was the Bobby Bowden era. That's actually when he had a lot of names that you're familiar with in today's world come in and be a part of his program before he left West Virginia to go on to Tallahassee and turn around FSU's football fortunes. Neil Brown is the current coach of WVU. This is a guy who played his college ball for a while for the Kentucky Wildcats back in the Hal Mummy era, and then he went on from UK to UMass to finish out his career. Coach Brown has been a head coach at Troy. He was there in the Wiregrass for several years, did a great job, so much so that he had the opportunity in 2019 to take the job at West Virginia after Dana Holgerson kind of abruptly left West Virginia to take the money and run to the University of Houston. And so this coach who has won a Sunbelt championship in his time at Troy, now leading the West Virginia football program. And again, last year, West Virginia did not have the most successful of seasons. It was, we all know, a very strange year. West Virginia did go to a bowl game, though, and they were able to win the Liberty Bowl in their matchup against the Army Black Knights. They were supposed to play Tennessee, but Tennessee, I think, got coveted if that's a term, and West Virginia played, Army played, and West Virginia ended up winning that Liberty Bowl game on the final day of the year 2020 and ended their season with a 6-4 and four mark. Now, Neil Brown's first season there coaching in the Big 12, he was 5-7, and seven, and they did not go to a bowl game. But, again, going from 5-7 and seven to 6-4 and four in year two and looking to turn things around in 2021. And one of the ways he's going to turn things around is having great players. And he's got a couple of really good players on both sides of the ball that were recently interviewed when they flew out to Arlington, Texas, to be part of the Big 12 Media Days. And so here on the Y'all Show, we're going to actually get a clip of the leading rusher in the Big 12 in 2020, and that was Letty Brown. Letty Brown, very talented run back. I think he is a native of Delaware, and he's going to be back for Neil Brown in 2021. 
Also, on the other side of the ball, you've got defensive lineman that's also very good for WVU, and that's Dante Seals. And Dante Seals and Letty Brown were recently on the number one ranked show with R.J. Young. You can go find that on YouTube if you'd like. And let's go in and hear what R.J. had to say as he visited with these two very good football players, again, for the West Virginia Mountaineers as they were together at Media Days in the Big 12 just about two weeks ago now is when that was held. And these two gentlemen from both sides of the ball talking about their 2021 season and expectations. And, again, a lot of West Virginia fans are going to be looking for these two playmakers to show off in a big way when the blue and gold get going against the Maryland Terps and the other opponents on the 2021 schedule. I expect me to do what I did last year, but even more. Like, you can't do what I did last year and take a step back. Mm. You got to take steps forward, especially, like, for me, like, I feel like I haven't been getting the respect that I deserve, so I'm kind of playing with that chip on my shoulder at all times. Dante, how about you? Um, just do better than last year. You know, last year um, I had a good year, um, like technique-wise and, like, my, my footwork and stuff like that. But, like, it didn't show up on the stat sheet, which now me you, you played bad. It just, like, you know, just stat, you know, stay come and go. But uh, for me, I, I'm just trying to be the best, you know, the best in the country. That's kind of, like, my goal, my mindset. What can Jared Daigie do to build on 2020? I feel like... He had a pretty good season last year, but if we take more control of the offense this year, we'll be unstoppable. Yeah, yeah I mean, I agree because, like, I'm, I'm on the opposite side. So, like, I've I seen in practice, he's definitely taking more control, stuff like that. So, like, the, you know, last year, you know, I feel like this year he's going to be a, a, a great player for us. You know, he's, he'll make a lot of plays, cause people to make plays, put the ball in the right position, and just be a, a, a good QB for us. Sure. At I've been to Millen Pupscar, been there a couple times, right? And one of the things I'm always impressed about is how loud it gets when it's full. What's it like for y'all to know that it's going to get back to that going into 2021? Chills. <laughs> Just imagine a stadium packed out. Any game, night game, afternoon game, morning game, it's packed out. Fans yelling, fans screaming, and they hear to cheer, cheer, cheer us on. So, like, me standing in that tunnel, like, I get chills. Dante, what you got? I'm definitely excited. You know, it's, it's definitely a, a hostile environment, you know, mm. for sure. It's, it, it gets rowdy. People, the fans start talking. They start booing and stuff like that. So, I'm definitely excited for the atmosphere, for sure. Nah, man, like, it's not just the crowd. It's a hostile environment right. because there's ice on the field and it's snowing and and don't, no, I about to say, don't, don't nobody, don't, don't nobody or nothing like you up there. Yeah, that yeah, already it's, West Virginia, up there. Yeah, it's a whole different atmosphere for sure. Good stuff there again. That from the show, number one ranked show with RJ Young, as Young visited with running back Letty Brown and defensive lineman Dante Stills, two of West Virginia's very good football players, getting ready for the 2021 season and. West Virginia, again, looking to build on Neil Brown's success in 2020 here in 2021. Let me tell you a little bit about WVU as an institution. It is a public land-grant research institution, main campus in Morgantown, but also campuses in other portions of the state, including Beckley 
and Potomac State College of West Virginia University. That is in Kaiser, West Virginia. West Virginia's enrollment right now, it's hovering up there pretty pretty high right now, right around 30,000 total across the various campuses. About 22,000 students enrolled at the main campus in Morgantown, West Virginia. This is a college that was officially established way back in 1867 and has a proud history in the Mountain State as its flagship university. Some of the famous alumni of West Virginia include a couple of fellows who are known throughout the world, frankly, but they were both former athletes at WVU. How about Jerry West? The literal logo of the NBA, the Lakers great, was a West Virginia basketball absolute stud back in the 1950s. Joe Manchin, the current U.S. Senator for West Virginia, is a former West Virginia quarterback. You also have the late Billy Mays, a West Virginia University alumnus. Don Knotts, did y'all realize the Andy Griffith star is a WVU alum? Yes, he sure is. You also have from the West Wing, Kim Webster. This actress is a WVU alumnus. How about Cheryl Hines, another actress from Curb Your Enthusiasm? She attended WVU. From the athletics world, several of the Bowdens, as we mentioned, Bobby was the coach. Well, his sons, Terry and Tommy, both are WVU alumni. You have other great players who've gone on and played professionally at one point or another. How about Major Harris? He was part of the 1988 undefeated season for West Virginia. He's a West Virginia University alumnus. Sam Huff, Pro Football Hall of Fame inductee, former NFL linebacker. How about Bob Huggins. He's the current coach of WVU. He's a WVU alumnus. And just so many athletic figures. I mean, this is a school that has a absolute boatload of famous athletes who have attended West Virginia. They've also had authors like Maggie Anderson attend. From the business world, the CEO of Milan Incorporated, Heather Breach, or Bresh is her last name, she is a WVU alumnus. Journalists have attended the school, including Ken Ward Jr., a MacArthur Fellow. Several generals have attended and include Marine Corps General Earl E. Anderson, a WVU alumnus. Kathy Matea, country music singer from the 1980s. How about little Jimmy Dickens, another great country music singer, the late Grand Ole Opry member a WVU alumnus. Lots of politicians have called West Virginia their alma mater. And here on the All Show, we're just saluting all of the many alumni, and perhaps you're a WVU alumnus. Congratulations. Now to some of the traditions here at West Virginia. You have Let's Go Mountaineers. That's the cheer that you'll hear at a WVU athletic event as people stand and cheer, Let's Go, and then other side will say Mountaineers. You also have the Mountaineer mascot, one of the most beloved of all of West Virginia's athletic traditions. The Mountaineer mascot first appeared way back in the 1934-35 school year, and it's been passed down through the years. Of course, you have at West Virginia the theme song for WVU, Country Roads, the old John Denver song. It's performed at every home football pregame show and has been performed since way back in 1972. 
The song's also played after every home victory, and fans are encouraged to stay in the stands to sing along with the team. How about that? That's pretty cool. And they even have country roads on their football helmets, which is neat. Now, one tradition that West Virginia was known for that I think they've tried to distance is the burning of couches after big victories. I don't think they do that, and frankly, with the foam shortage we're currently undergoing across the country, would not be a smart thing to be burning couches when people are literally in need of couches right now. But those are some of the traditions and the fun that you'll find on game day at West Virginia. And West Virginia, one of our many stops as we're making our way across college football, getting you ready for the start of the 2021 season. So go Nears! The Y'all Show will wrap up this second hour. After the break, we've got some great things going on. The homepage of the southyall.com. And I'll tell you exactly what those exciting things are. And we'll do that right after the break as we wrap up Hour 2 of this, The Y'all Show. Back on Talk with a Southern Accent, wrapping up this second hour. And you can go to Kansas City if you want, but you can also go to Alpharetta, Georgia. In fact, here as we wrap up this second hour, we're taking a moment to tell you about all of the fun stuff that you can find at the South's homepage. That's y'all.com. And we've got a fantastic interview posted right now. You can go in and actually watch yours truly, Jean Rawl talk about awesome Alpharetta with one of the members of their tourism office, Janine Jones. Alpharetta is just to the north of downtown Atlanta, and this city near the Georgia State Capitol offers plenty of shopping and dining and accommodations. They have this really cool area called the Avalon that's right there in the Alpharetta area, and we will let you know all about it. All you got to do is go to y'all.com and watch the interview about Alpharetta, Georgia, on the homepage of the South, y'all.com. Also on that same homepage, you can find a great interview we also have recently done with the pitmaster of Davila's Barbecue. That's in Seguin, Texas. And we talked to pitmaster Adrian Davila about his very, very well-known restaurant. It's been featured on all kinds of national television shows. And I had the chance to actually do an interview with Adrian just the other day, and we're going to play a portion of that here on the Y'all Show very, very soon. But, boy, go there and get your taste glands a-going as we tell you all about the fun food found and the the Spanish and Mexican and, frankly, the Spanish-slash-Mexican cowboy influence that you'll find at Davila's Barbecue in Seguin, Texas, as we talk to their pitmaster. We have that. Plus, Outdoor Date Ideas for the Southern Couple, a great article that's been posted at y'all.com. And Kevin Gardner, he did a great job of giving some 
really cool advice for all of you who need a little extra something in your dating life. We've got that there, plus a trip down the Mississippi Delta as we have a fantastic feature and interview done by Ashley Stinson. And that's up at y'all.com. So much going on, so much getting posted very soon. Check it out. It's y'all.com, Y-A-L-L.com. It's the South's homepage. And don't forget, on Facebook, you can find many of these same features posted. And that's y'all show in y'all.com on Facebook. Go there if you will. Hour three of the Y'all Show is coming right up, y'all. Hold your threes in the air because it's time now on the program that's all about the South to get into the third hour of this Tuesday show that's covering everything Southern. Got lots of sports that we still have to get to, but we got a lot of news going on across the region that we'll be starting off this hour. Hello, I'm John Rawl, and our number here to text us at your convenience, 803-816-1170. Our website is y'all.com. And you can also find this show here in podcast form across the Southland and beyond. You can find us on Spotify, on Stitcher, the Apple Podcast app, as well as the TuneIn and iHeartRadio apps. Simply go into any of those apps and search for Y'all or Y'all Show, and we're right there, absolutely free of charge. You can listen to each one of our three-hour episodes when you want to, how you want to. You can wear as much or as little as you want to when you get a chance, or you can put on whatever you want to, or nothing at all. I'm just trying to make it as easy as possible when you get ready to get into the y'all mode. It's y'all show available in all those various podcast forms, free of charge. And please enjoy it. Please like it. Please subscribe. Please leave us a comment. All that helps us out. And we appreciate you tuning us in on great stations, but we appreciate all of you who actually take the time to listen to us in podcast form, again, when and where and however you want to. That's not a bad option. Let's get into what's going on here across the South before we move in to talk more about the Arkansas Razorbacks, the traditions of the Hogs, and the famous alumni of the University of Arkansas. We're going to do that in the next segment before the hour's up. We also will tell you about some of the great arts and entertainment going on across the southeast. Melissa Rhodes will be filing our southern accent on that later in the hour. And before we get out of here today, more information from the sports world, including what's going on in the NBA, a big trade between two of our great southern NBA franchises that appears to have gone down on Monday. And I'll let you know all about that before we get out of here for this Tuesday edition and turn our attention for the Wednesday show. But we'll, we'll worry about Wednesday when Wednesday comes around. But we better be worried about the heat. As right now, the heat is expected to build across much of the southeast as states like Alabama and Tennessee, Mississippi, and more, Georgia for sure, are getting ready to experience a full-strength summertime weather blitz of high temperatures. The National Weather Service is forecasting highs in the low to mid-90s in much of the south here going forward throughout the week. Dew points for many will be stuck in the low to mid-70s, making it especially 
soupy and sticky, and the heat index expected to be 100 degrees or higher for much of the Mid-South and around the entire South, frankly. So many of the following days, starting really on Wednesday, are going to feel like 100 degrees or hotter for much, if not all, of the South. I'm looking at the predictions of the heat index temperatures going on the rest of the week, and I'm having to look hard for any place in the South that's below 100 on the heat index. It's it's almost too much to even talk about. I get a little emotional about how hot it's going to be. Okay, it looks like Hattiesburg is only going to be 98 on the heat index temperature for some of this week. How about South Carolina, at least along the coast, might be a little bit cooler, a real cold spell in the low country. But around Atlanta, pushing into, let's say, Athens, 105 in the classic city at one point here this week is forecast. How about Vicksburg in Mississippi? 106. Greenville, Mississippi, 107. My goodness, Tunica in the Mississippi Delta, a heat index forecast of 109. But Louisiana's got that beat. I'm seeing some predictions for just west of Baton Rouge around Alexandria, Louisiana, 110 is the forecasted heat index temperature for some of this week. All that is to say, please be extremely careful whatever you're going to be doing over the next two, three, four days. The Weather Service Office in Mobile has also warned at least portions of the Mobile area, southwest Alabama, about unpleasant conditions and they're warning people to drink plenty of fluids, stay out of the sun, also to check up on relatives and neighbors. That's just in the Mobile area where they don't have any of those 110 temps like I'm telling you about in Alexandria, Louisiana here for at least a portion of this week. Oh, it's going to be a cool 104 in some of those cities on the Alabama Gulf Coast. And my own experience with this heat spell we're going through and the sunlight So I did something I hardly ever do. And this is actually a good thing that I don't do it because so many of you are fortunate to do this, but boy, it takes a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of sweat, a lot of money. In some cases, I had to cut grass this past weekend. And that's not something I normally do because I don't normally have a lawn that I got to go out and cut. But I volunteered to cut grass on Saturday and it was, for the most part, partly cloudy when I started cutting grass. Temperatures, I think, were in the low 90s. And I just couldn't resist getting on this nice Toro zero-turn mower and giving it a spin for a few hours. And I did that. And the mower did a good job. I cut it, although this lawnmower i don't know how this happened i don't think i did it this lawnmower i think is just a few months old i cut grass i cut so much that i kind of was going to be running out of gas soon so i decided to go run to a gas pump to get a fill up someone came to assist me and they said hey did you know you got a flat tire and i said what and sure enough i I really did have a flat tire on this so-called new toro zero turn mower a lawnmower that 
rumor has it, cost about $10,000. That's a lot of money for a darn lawnmower. But that's what these things go for these days. And you got a lawnmower that's just a few months old and you already got a flat tire. Yeah, that, that happened. I don't know. I think it's been fixed now. But I, I did end up getting some air put in that tire and finish the job. My whole point of telling you my lawnmower tale is that that two to three hours that I was out cutting grass, I wasn't really prepared to be out that long. So I was wearing shorts and a short sleeve shirt. I didn't put on any kind of repellent and or sunscreen. And boy, I looked baked by the time I got off that thing. And I'm still having to be careful of how I move around. I'm not in great pain. I don't think it got so much that I, I sun, so much sun that I got burnt. But you can get a nice redness going on if you're a guy like me that's normally closed inside an office <laughs> just by being out on a lawnmower for a couple hours. And I truly have. I know I have farming in my blood. I truly am now sporting a beautiful farmer's tan because I didn't take the time to, I guess, put on a little bit of sunscreen to even get a full tan and, and take my shirt off when I was zipping around on that zero turn more with a flat tire. But I got the job done, and oh, I know that cutting grass can be a pain, and it can be something that takes a lot of time on the weekend away, maybe some valuable time you were planning on spending with the kiddies or grandchildren. But when the job's done and you can just get that lawn cut before another thunderstorm passes through the area boy do they look nice and if you've got a nice green lawn and you got a nice freshly cut green lawn whew, even the people at augusta national would be envious of what you've got out there in the backyard so that's my story if you're going to be doing chores and you're going to be cutting grass like i was this past weekend and i don't intend to do it this weekend by the way sorry lawn that i took care of I like doing it, but that's about a four, I think it was about five hours I spent out there in the blazing sun. I'll try to find another option for it this coming weekend. Just do better than I did and put on the type of hat that can block the sun, maybe wear a long sleeve shirt. There's no shame in wearing long sleeve shirts, even when it's 100 plus degrees outside. There's a reason the old farmers of yesteryear used to be out picking their crops with a long sleeve cotton shirt on when it was a hundred degrees outside that had many reasons why they did that. One was it kept the skeeters away. It kept the bumblebees away from biting it. It kept the gnats away perhaps, but it also helped keep that sun off of them. And you're going to sweat anyway. You might as well let it sweat on a long sleeve shirt, but wear that hat, wear the long pants. If you're able to, don't be like me wearing shorts and trying to show off if the sun for many of us in the South, the sun is not necessarily our best friend. So we've got to be smart about it so we don't end up with skin cancer and things like that. And especially right now this week with temperatures soaring and that heat index going up like it's expected to in much of the South this week, be extra, extra careful. Now, we know in the South we've had way, way, way more than our unfair share of things from the North finding their way to the south primarily the people of the north have found their way to the south but we're getting revenge y'all this is not the best of stories for people in illinois but how about this story 
a tick that is native to right here in the south has now been found outside of Chicago. That's in Illinois, by the way. This tick species native to Dixie has turned around and socked it to them Yankees. Three Gulf Coast ticks were located earlier in July in the Dunham Forest Preserve in Wayne, Illinois. Wayne is about 40 miles west of Chicago. The species is more likely than others to carry the pathogen causing tidewater spotted fever, which could cause a headache, muscle aches, and rash, among other things. And an ecologist there in Illinois is saying, don't be scared, be prepared, we don't need to freak out. But how about this? A Gulf Coast tick, now not far from the wild and exciting coast of Lake Michigan in Illinois. The ticks have previously been found in more than a dozen Illinois counties, but, but in smaller numbers. Last year, 780 of these Gulf Coast ticks were found in the state of Illinois after researchers found a new way of searching for them. I don't know how they go searching for a certain tick because you got to give it to those little boogers, and they kind of do look like boogers. Uh, they're pretty elusive, even when they're on you. Ticks and these Gulf Coast ticks know how to survive, and they know how to suck blood, too, when they need to. Be careful. Again, this variety of tick is a native from right here in the south, and I guess more prominent along the Gulf Coast. But right now, good old southern Gulf Coast rebel ticks, we'll call them rebels, invading Yankee land. And this is not something to totally laugh about, again, because these this variety of ticks can cause tidewater spotted fever. That can end up leading to headache, muscle aches, rash, probably although this article that I'm reading doesn't cite this, my guess is it also could contribute to Rocky Mountain spot of fever, which could be deadly. So be very careful. And all of those northern folks, be careful of our southern creatures coming up that way to Illinois. And be careful when you're in the outdoors, perhaps cutting grass and more, to be on the lookout for the ticks of the world. And fleas, they can be a big nuisance as well here in this portion of the year. Now, a horse alert coming to the south. A lot of you love horses. Some of you own horses. A state veterinarian in the south has confirmed that four horses have tested positive for something called the Potomac horse fever. And now this veterinarian in the state of Tennessee confirming this positive test for this Potomac horse fever, that coming from the Tennessee Department of Agriculture. A couple of counties in Tennessee, mostly in Middle Tennessee, Robertson and Wilson County, cases have sprung up there. A horse was diagnosed with this Potomac horse fever and had to be euthanized. The state veterinarian, Dr. Samantha Beatty, said in a news release, transmission of this disease can be prevented Potomac horse fever is preventable with regular vaccinations and environmental management. In addition to having your horses on a routine medical schedule, make sure they have been they have clean drinking water. One way to do this is change from natural drinking water sources to frequently cleaned water buckets. And this PHF Potomac horse fever 
is caused by a bacteria thought to be carried by aquatic snail larvae and other intermediate hosts that include flies, of course. Horses and flies go together in the summertime. Horses that live near bodies of water or low flying air or low lying areas rather that could collect stagnant water are most at risk. So be careful. If you have horses, and especially if you're in Middle Tennessee or other counties in the state of Tennessee, might want to follow what state veterinarian Dr. Samantha Beatty is warning this week about Potomac horse fever. We want to take care of our four-legged creatures, and right now, the state of Tennessee, a horse alert in effect. Please be careful out there for our beautiful equine community. A man in Alabama accused of attempted rape has been now found with 400 pairs of women's underwear. This happened in the Alabama Wiregrass, Dothan, Alabama Police arresting a man named John Thomas Uta arrested him after he broke into a woman's home back on July 10th. And after he broke into the woman's home, police went in and investigated. They discovered 400 pairs of women's panties in his possession. How is that even possible? A local police officer in the Dothan area, Lieutenant Scott Owens, said that the woman, she fought off this intruder. He said that she suffered minor injuries and was treated at a hospital. Police said that interviews and evidence led investigators to determine that this man had tried to sexually assault the woman. And then, again, he ends up being caught with over 400 undergarments consisting mostly of women's panties and bras. Those were found at his residence. And I think the guy lived alone. Now, this man, Mr. Uda, has a history of taking underwear after he had been confronted by police in 2019 for raiding his apartment's community laundry room. <laughs> sick, sick, sick. Yikes. Uda charged with attempted rape, three counts of burglary, aggravated criminal surveillance, two counts of illegal possession of a credit card, and 50 counts of voyeurism. As the police officer, Owen, said, if we can keep him in jail, the public will definitely be better for it. Hmm. Definitely keep him in jail and definitely keep him away, women, from your from your beautiful underwear that you might have. I think this guy will take any underwear. When you got four hundred in your possession, I don't think Mr. Uda was being all that picky. A attorney in Grenada, Mississippi, Carlos Moore, has been sworn in as the National Bar Association's newest president. He was sworn in today, actually, earlier today, the Moss Point, Mississippi native becomes Mississippi's first person to ever lead this national association in its 96-year history. Again, attorney Carlos Moore of Grenada, Mississippi, sworn in today as the National Bar Association's national president, sworn in at the Capitol Club, Jackson, Mississippi. And he is, by the way, if you need his counsel, Carlos Moore is the managing partner of the Johnny Cochran firm for the people. I think is what it's commercials say the Cochran firms, Mississippi Delta office, which is actually not in the Mississippi Delta. It's in Grenada in North Mississippi, right on interstate 55 is where you'll find it. But Carlos Moore, Mississippi, and now the president of the national bar association. Also to tell you some news going on, 
We've told you in recent days here on the Y'all Show about a shortage caused by coronavirus and more. We've got a shortage of foam. You can't have to get a couch or bed because of a foam shortage. We've got Taco Bell having a shortage. You've got a liquor shortage going on in Charlotte, North Carolina. And now, how about this one? This one is really painful for some people across the South. They're experiencing a shortage of supplies to fix air conditioners. So there are people who've been suffering for weeks of not having their air conditioners work when it's 100 degrees outside. And that's because of a supply shortage and the heating and AC business right now. And one owner of a heating and air conditioning place, he's out of North Carolina, J.D. Anderson. He owns 919 Fix My AC. He was recently interviewed by WRAL-TV, and he said factories have been hit really hard because if one person on the line in the factory catches COVID or symptoms of it, it sort of shuts down that entire line so the factory itself is really imperative in turning out those parts. And again, some of those parts aren't there. This one heating, air conditioning repairman, not Bobby Jenkins at all seasons, but this guy with 919 Fix My AC, he gets 30 calls for heating and air conditioning repairs on a single day. Man, I'm in the wrong business. Bobby, hire me, please. And now they got a shortage, at least for some of the units out there, of parts to fix coils that have gone wrong and Freon issues and more. Could you imagine having an air conditioner go out for weeks? And those things aren't cheap to get fixed anyway, but if you had to repair a whole unit, I think I heard somebody tell me the other day they spent $20,000, I think, on a unit, pretty close to that. So, yeah, and, and to think you can't even get a repairman out there or have the parts to fix it. Hmm, crazy times we live in, y'all. And lastly, here on our look of headlines from across the southeast, southeast we told you about the West Virginia Mountaineers in hour two. Hey, here as we go into the news of hour three, how about this West Virginia University student he has started a really cool business. It's for broken dog leashes. If you have a great dog leash that for some reason breaks, this guy, Anthony Garber, who is a current student at West Virginia University in Morgantown, West Virginia, this guy, Mr. Garber, has started a cool business after he saw a friend's dog accidentally receive a hard pull on the neck from a retractable leash. So this guy began searching the dog leash market for a product that wouldn't yank so harshly, and when he couldn't find a leash to fit his idea, he started to brainstorm, and he's come up with the company, The Easy Leash, and it is a braked dog leash. Garber is in the process of creating this senior industrial engineering student at West Virginia University, getting the, I guess, patent on this thing, and he says it is created in a design that's similar to a standard retractable dog leash, but with the added feature of a trigger-actuated brake caliber that allows the user to gradually slow down the rate at which the leash reel rotates. It looks like it would be a little bit gentler, and and this thing will be maybe a great addition for Fido when it gets up and going again. Coming from a youngster here in the South, and a good way to wrap up our look at headlines 
across the southeast here on this Tuesday. When the Y'all Show comes back, we will be telling you about the great alumni and the great traditions of the Arkansas Razorbacks as Arkansas and West Virginia, the Mountaineers, have been on our spotlight today as we've been taking a tour across the South's college football programs. And we're back to Fayetteville to let you know about those hogs. We're going to be calling them right after this as the Y'all Show continues. Plus, before the hour is up, Melissa Rose will be filing a southern accent on arts and entertainment. You don't want to miss out on that fun. All that's ahead before we get out of here today. Stay tuned. We all make choices about alcohol. Kids make choices whether to drink or not. Bye, Dad. Remember, I'm going to Alex's party tonight and sleeping over. Hey, Em. Remind me about that party again. And adults make choices whether to talk about it. That's true of parents and every other trusted adult in a kid's life. Kids want to know our expectations, and they want honest answers in everyday conversations. So talk with your kids and help lead them on a positive path. Because when you talk, they hear you. Learn more at underagedrinking.samsa.gov. The Y'all Show is on the road and stopping by 44 of the South's great college football towns as we get y'all ready for the start of the 2021 college football season. Tailgates, traditions, fight songs. Can you feel the excitement? Here's Y'all Show host John Rawl to fire y'all up with today's great Southern College Football Showcase. And if we don't get you fired up for today's Second of two schools that we've told you about. We already, in hour two, broke down West Virginia's 2021 schedule and traditions and famous alumni of WVU. Today, we're also taking you to Fayetteville in northwest Arkansas because the University of Arkansas, those hogs, we're calling them here. Woo! Pig suey! Arkansas, you are our latest stop on the y'all tour across the South, getting you ready for the start of the 2021 season. And this hour, instead of the X's and O's of Sam Pittman's ball club, it's more about the university itself and some famous alumni of the University of Arkansas and traditions at UA. All that as we call those hogs and tell you about Woo Pig Suey Razorbacks. I'm John Rawl. Thank you for, again, being with us here on this final hour of our Tuesday Y'all Show. So, yes, Arkansas is where we're back to telling you about this great university. SEC member since 1992. The University of Arkansas is a public land-grant research university. Its main campus, of course, Fayetteville. It is the flagship campus of the University of Arkansas system and the largest university in the entire state. Founded as the Arkansas Industrial University back in 1871, and this school in Fayetteville boasts an enrollment of nearly 28,000 students. They got about 23 undergrads and about 5,000 postgraduates there in Fayetteville attending the college there on campus, which is called College Town. And they got that great little mascot running around, Tusk and Big Red. If you make it into Fayetteville, you can't help but escape, or or you can't escape the hogs. And you walk around campus and you see great fixtures on campus like Old Main, 
That's the, I guess, original building that was built there that's still there. As the university was established under the Marl Land Grant College Act of 1862. And if you go to Arkansas, you're on campus, often you refer to the campus as the hill, as the site is on a hilltop farm that once was there overlooking the Ozark Mountains. And the hill is the home of the Razorbacks there in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Now, of course, this university has churned out lots of great fixtures through the years. So many, it's hard to sit here and go through them all. But I'll do my best to give you kind of a greatest hits of some of Arkansas's most famous alumni. How about writer Barry Hanna? He was an Arkansas alumnus. You also have another person known for their work in entertainment and more, Donna Axum, Miss America 1964 an Arkansas Razorback. From the business world, boy, they've had lots of successful people throughout the years who have been Arkansas alumni. One of those is Jerry Jones, the oil man and owner of the Dallas Cowboys, of course, a former Razorback football player, the former president of the university, a former U.S. senator and founder of the Fulbright program, J. William Fulbright, a University of Arkansas Alumnus, the founder of Dillard's Department Stores, William T. Dillard, was a UA alumnus. So many names through the years. How about John Tyson, former CEO and current chairman of Tyson Foods, a Arkansas alumnus. The chairman of Walmart, S. Robson Walton. Jim Walton, board of directors for Walmart Stores, and the former CEO of Arvest Bank, a Arkansas Razorback alumnus. And just throughout business, so many with ties into Tyson and Walmart and more. You also have leaders in politics who've come out of the University of Arkansas. Lots of sports characters and figures through the years. How about Butch Davis, the former North Carolina and Miami football coach? I think he won a national championship with the Hurricanes at one point. He is an Arkansas alumnus. As I mentioned, you got Jerry Jones, but how about the guy that helped lead his franchise to an NFL title a couple of times? And he also did great things when he was with the Miami Hurricanes, and that was Jimmy Johnson, Arkansas Razorback teammate of Jerry Jones. Another guy that was around Arkansas in the football world, Barry Switzer, the Oklahoma Sooners coach who won three national titles and even led the Dallas Cowboys to a world championship. I think the last one they won, Barry Switzer was coaching that franchise. The Cy Young award winner and current pitcher with the Atlanta Braves, Dallas Keuchel is an Arkansas Razorback. Stacey Lewis, LPGA golfer, women's British Open winner, an Arkansas Razorback. So many athletes through the years. John Daly, can't forget about him, speaking of golf. You got Lance Allworth, great receiver for the San Diego Chargers, a Razorback great of yesteryear. Olympians galore with Arkansas's great track program. They've provided so many fantastic athletes to the Olympics through the decades. Leaders in the military, they've had – Incredible faculty through the years. This guy never attended 
to my knowledge, the university, but he was a faculty member at the School of Law, which I think at that time was in Little Rock. Bill Clinton, the 42nd governor of Arkansas and the 42nd president of the United States, was on the faculty at the University of Arkansas for several years back in the mid-1970s. So was his wife, Hillary. She was on the faculty there. A very proud history, a very proud litany of people from all walks of business and entertainment and more at the University of Arkansas. Now, how did Arkansas become the Razorbacks? For goodness sake, this was a school that was once known as the Cardinals until Coach Hugo Bezdek called his players a wild band of Razorback hogs after they got a big victory over LSU. Oh, that was in 1909. (laughs) The Razorback, characterized by Ridgeback and its tenacious wild fighting ability, immediately became a popular nickname. And one year after the coach's statement, the student body voted to change the official mascot to Razorbacks. Now, the Hogs have a live mascot that I've seen on game day parked right across the stadium. It's Tusk. Tusk is a Russian boar, and it closely resembles the wild hogs known as Razorbacks native to the Arkansas wilderness. And it's a very scary creature out there if you ever see Tusk. Now, at Arkansas, it's not a game day unless you call those hogs, as the hog call is one of the most recognizable chants in all the sports. Here are the basics. Okay, let's do it together. You raise your arms above your head during the hog call. You yell, woo, and wiggle your fingers for a few seconds. So, woo. And then next, bring both arms straight down with fist clenched while yelling, pig. And then extend your right arm with the word suey being yelled out. Repeat these steps two or more times and then finish by yelling, razorbacks, like this. Woo, pig, suey. Woo, pig, suey. Woo, pig, suey, Razorbacks. And that is calling the hogs. (laughs) One of the great traditions at the University of Arkansas. And also, if you get there on a game day, it's really a beautiful setting there, right on the edge of the Ozarks. And the campus is lovely. And it truly is one of the SEC's best home field environments at Reynolds Razorback Stadium. And if you go to any sporting event, you're going to hear the calling of the hogs. You're going to hear all about the hogs. You're going to hear how the natural state rallies around their college that started back in the 1870s. And they love those hogs. And here to y'all show, we're very excited to tell you about all those hogs and the very good season forecast for Sam Pittman and his wild pack of Razorbacks heading into the 2021 campaign. Thank you again as Arkansas and both West Virginia today's spotlights as we blaze a trail, a pig trail, if you will, across the college football landscape, getting you ready for the start of the 2021 season. When the Y'all Show returns... Melissa Rhodes will be filing a southern accent on arts and entertainment. Don't miss out on the fun and get ready to call them hogs, y'all.
Southern accent. Here's what's entertaining the South from y'all.com. I'm Melissa Rhodes. Tampa-raised actor Owen Teague is a rising star in Hollywood, having appeared in more than a dozen films and currently co-starring in the Stephen King-based post-apocalypse series The Stand, airing on Paramount+. Plus. The 21-year-old Floridian on getting ready to play Harold Lauder in the series. One of the earliest things that I did was was work with Angelina on Harold's costume, just just like the kinds of shirts that he wore and the kinds of shoes and pants and the sizes of everything and the hairstyle and costumes are a really big part of of the the preparation for me um, as well, but also like. I've been a fan of the book forever. Paramount Plus offers a free trial to stream The Stand. Entertainment, headlines, and more at y'all.com. And thank you, Melissa, for that fantastic way to help us wrap up Hour 3 of the show all about the South. We're going to do just that. After this break, stay tuned. We've got a quick look at some sports goings-on, and that'll send us to the house as we wrap up this Tuesday edition of y'all talk with a southern accent don't forget you can reach us here anytime via text 803-816-1170 we'll be back my doctor told me my blood pressure is borderline i figured i could worry about it or do something about it So I took control with Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula. It works safely and naturally to help maintain healthy blood pressure with a custom blend of garlic, vitamins, and minerals. And it's odor-free. I'm taking charge with Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The term natural reference is only the garlic in the product. Use as directed. And the weather and all If I mention the past Or maybe coming back home It ain't long till I hear That old cold dial tone I still got her number But I can't reach her anymore I can't reach out and touch her heart The way I did don't have much to talk about Since my feet did the walking out If she could only see them walk the floor I still got her number But I can't reach her anymore Oh, Sammy, you got the right number for the all show? It's 803-816-1170. This is the final segment here as we wind down a Tuesday for you. Thank you again for being part of the fun. And as we kind of conclude things, let's take a quick look at some sports happenings across the Southeast. Now, in hour number one, yours truly had a whole lot to say about this whole Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC potentially and what Oklahoma State University's president, Case Shrum, boy, 
he blew up Oklahoma in a statement. You're just going to have to go back and listen to that one. But this is a hot, 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 extra hot topic going on in the sports of the South right now. And go back and listen to our one. You can do that in the various podcast options that the Y'all Show has. We're available on Spotify, Stitcher, the Apple Podcast app, the TuneIn app. We're at y'all.com, too. So check it all out. Update on Deshaun Watson as he has reported to the Houston Texans camp, former Clemson Tiger quarterback. Two women with new allegations among 10 to file police complaints against the Houston Texans current quarterback. And this is a developing story that, again, most of the pundits are predicting that the two parties, in this case, on the gridiron side of things, Deshaun Watson and his employer, the Houston Texans, are going to try to find him a new home. They're going to try to get the best offer and send Deshaun's moving van up to his residence and pack him up and get him to heck out of Houston. But he's still got a lot of legal problems going on in Houston, and he's got to solve those problems. But right now, the latest story in the saga that is Deshaun Watson, 10 women have now filed complaints with Houston police about the quarterback, according to his attorney, Rusty Harden. The attorney spoke with ESPN Monday about the progress of the criminal case and also the civil cases involving his client. And Rusty Harden said that there's these 10 women that have made complaints to the police Eight of the women, according to Harden, are among the 22 women who have alleged in lawsuits that Deshaun Watson sexually assaulted them or engaged in sexually inappropriate behavior during massage sessions. Now, two of the women who have filed complaints with Houston police, Harden said, have not filed lawsuits against Watson. So that's some news coming out Monday in this very ugly story of a guy that was a hero to Clemson fans, a hero to the Gainesville Red Elephants in Gainesville, Georgia, his hometown, and has been a hero in Houston and to the Lone Star State fans of that franchise. And is he going to maintain his superhero status going forward after all this gets settled somehow, some way, either through the courts or settling out of court or potential jail time perhaps? A developing story for sure. Another transaction from the NFL from Monday that we will tell you about, Jonathan Allen, the Washington football team, agreeing to sign this guy to a $72 million extension. The tackle for the former Redskins turned football team, his contract announced by Team IFA, that's his agency, the contract worth $72 million with a $30 million signing bonus. Not bad money for Jonathan Allen of WFT with a $72 million deal. Just like I've said before with coaching, perhaps if it's not too late, myself and or you will be able to go out and pay football a little bit of attention. Now, Watson, of course, comes out of the heralded Alabama program. How about this? This guy was born in Alabama, but very soon in his life, he relocated away from the heart of Dixie, spent some of his time in North Carolina. I think he was in the Washington, D.C. area at some point in his life, but ends up going to the Capstone 
and he went from there to the NFL. He played as a 3-4 defensive end in his first three seasons before the Redskins, then WFT switched him to a 4-3 this past season. And that switch, I think, helped make him not like, was it Ken Austin, the million-dollar man? He's not a million-dollar man. He's a $72 million man, and that's good money for the former Crimson Tide playmaker Jonathan Allen and his deal with the WFT and the Snyder family. Congratulations. A trade on Monday in the NBA as Jonas Valanciunas of the Memphis Grizzlies have traded this rising star to New Orleans. The Grizz, in exchange with the Pelicans, get Stephen Adams and Eric Bledsoe. A big trade of this international player, Jonas Valanciunas. And they also get the 17th overall pick, according to sources that follow the NBA. And I've seen Valanciunas in person, and he, he's he been a really big force down low for the Grizz and their grit and grind effort in the Bluff City and the Pelicans making some changes and, and the Grizzly going along with it. The Pelicans could have as much as a $36 million in salary cap space if they were to lose Lonzo Ball as well as Josh Hart. And with this move, I guess it's part of the salary cap thing. I don't understand how a lot of this stuff in the NBA works. But bottom line, a guy who's been one of the keys alongside the native of South Carolina and Murray State racer that's been a big part of Memphis basketball over the last two years. One of the big guys to help out the Memphis Grizzlies and Ja Morant and helping Morant become the force that he's been in the NBA. He's out of Memphis now and traveling down the Mississippi River (laughs) to the Big Easy. The world golf rankings are out, and a quick look at the top five or top ten. John Rahm, who just tested positive again, and has had to leave the Olympics this week. The Spaniard is atop the World Golf Rankings at number one. He's followed by Irmo, South Carolina's Dustin Johnson in the second place. California kid Colin Marikawa, the Olympian, and also the recent Open champion winner. He's in third in the official World Golf Ranking of PGA Tour stars. Justin Thomas, the Alabama alum and Louisville native, he's number four in the World Golf Rankings. California kid Xander Shoffley is at fourth. Also, you got Bryson DeChambeau, who also tested positive at the Olympics and is U.S. bound, I think. DeChambeau, the former SMU golfer, is number six in the world golf rankings. Brooks Kepka checks in at number seven. Then you got South African Louis Oosthuizen, who's just missed out on so many tournaments here of late. He's number eight in the world golf rankings. Former Stanford golfer Patrick Cantlay is nine. And lastly, at number 10 in the world golf rankings, former Georgia Bulldog Harris English, former Baylor School in Chattanooga golfer Harris English. He's number 10 in the world golf rankings. And that will wrap up the Y'all Show on this Tuesday. We can't thank you enough for taking the time to listen in. And don't forget our website is y'all.com. It is the South's official homepage. Go there now 
to listen to this show anytime you want to in podcast form or to look at great stories that are there now or forthcoming. We'll be right back here on the Wednesday Y'all Show. Our featured school, we're going to be traveling to Wake Forest as the Demon Deacons are our spotlight school. We'll tell you all about the ACC program and more. Until then, have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening to the show that's all about the South. Text and whatever. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.